This is a Soulfire production. And we're back. Here we go. You may have noticed that there wasn't a show earlier this week, and there's a reason for that. A very good reason, in my opinion. It's because I released an episode of my other show, the interview show, The Realness, earlier this week, and I wanted it to get the love that it deserved. So I directed everyone there. Make sure to go check that episode out. It is with an AP high school, high school history teacher and football coach and uh, soon-to-be TikTok famous dude. His name is Myron Curtis, and he is a badass. He's so fun. He, he's, he's teaching. He's one of those teachers that we all wish we would have had, frankly. I've started saying frankly more now because of all the Trump clips that I have to watch. Um, and I'm going to start saying it completely unnecessarily, just like our dear president, Donald J. Trump, because I want to emulate him as much as possible. God damn it, I can't. Oh, my gosh. So much shit has happened and it's been hard to keep up. I'm not going to lie to you. And actually, on that note, if there's anybody out there that maybe is like a college student that is super in touch with these kind of things, it would it would like to be an intern for Connor Wanders. I would very much entertain that idea. Something I've been thinking about for a minute. It's a lot to keep up with. I need a little bit of a, a little bit of assistance as far as like filtering things through. And man. There's a lot. It's just, I did not expect an avalanche of, of, of news uh, <laughs> in, in 2020, but um, the shit has hit the fan and here we are. So let's talk about what we're not going to talk about today. A couple of things uh, that we may speak on later down the road, but did not make it today. One, cops is canceled for a plethora of obvious reasons, um, primarily complaints of police brutality. And it seemed like cops was really just entertainment of cops picking on mostly poor people and drug addicts. So uh, RIP cops. Also, NASCAR bans the Confederate flag. Not talking about that today, not going into that. I don't really feel like that's news. Uh, That's something that probably should have happened, like, I don't know, 150 fucking years ago. Um, which is really interesting and something I wanted to point out there as I I considered that, um, for the show earlier this week, but I feel like the time has kind of passed, but something that's funny about, about the, the whole NASCAR Confederate flag thing is that, um, NASCAR came to be because of people running moonshine. Um, now they would soup these cars up so they could outrun, outrun the law essentially and it became what is stock car racing, which is really kind of a, a, a cool history. Um, the only black driver in, in NASCAR, which I didn't even know there was a black driver in NASCAR, so props to that dude, uh, spoke up and then someone quit, of course, because he you know felt really strongly about this, even though he's had a grand total of zero wins, so no one really actually gave a fuck, including NASCAR, who kind of shamed him on Twitter, which was kind of funny. But it seems like... It's such an interesting thing to, to, to attach the fucking Confederate flag to, to his, his history. I mean, it, it belongs in a museum. Yeah. I mean, everything belongs in museums, whether they're offensive or not. I don't think you can really, 
you can't PC the fucking museum. Um, that would just be silly. But <sighs> these statues coming down all over the place, Confederate flag coming down, it's like those out there who wanted the South to rise again, um, probably uh, <laughs> probably feeling a little defeated right now. <laughs> and I love how people people don't want to don't want to uh, claim that as slavery. Maybe we'll get, we'll get into that one of these days. Maybe we'll do a standalone video on that. But it's just it's a trip, man. It's funny, and and to think that um, to think that it took this long, and that people were just like proudly flying the uh, the Confederate flag, it definitely turns people off to the sport. If you want to think about just the pure capitalism of the whole situation. If you're from the right side of the, of the, of the aisle here, um, one is there is NASCAR's right to say whatever the, you, know, you can take, bring whatever the fuck you want in, or we're going to, you know, we get to say what you bring into the NASCAR race. Um, and two, it just, the Confederate flag is not really spectator friendly. I mean, I think it would be a minority of the population. What would be cool with like seeing that on every Sunday race, um, every lap. I mean, if you're not familiar with rat NASCAR, they drive around in an oval for, you know, 200 and some odd laps for a long time. It's kind of fun to watch. Um, but, uh, it's about as fun as golf, you know, it has kind of has the same, has the same uh, entertainment factor, unless there's a crash kind of like a hole in one or something like that. But, uh, no, I think it just turns audiences off. So why the fuck would you have something on? Like, can you imagine if it was like Confederate flags waving at a fucking NBA game or an NFL game? Like that just doesn't make why, why? Do you need like a Robert E. Lee Cowboys jersey? No. And the funny thing is, I feel weird about this. I feel weird about this because I was in a fraternity in college whose quote unquote spiritual founder was Robert E. Lee. Um, not that that really had that much to do with uh, the Confederacy, or the, but we had some chants that were I would call them somewhat racist. I didn't think about it at the time. And that's show. I mean, I say that not to really chastise myself or anything like that, but it's just, we didn't, I didn't, this didn't cross my mind. And I think one of the things that's different is being from Texas, Texas has its own kind of heritage and it's own, it's its own kind of thing. I mean, Texas could fucking peace out from the United States tomorrow and they would be totally fine. Um, but in the South, Right, what was you know south of the Mason Dixon line, um, that flag means something totally different to us. It was just like Dukes of Hazard, whatever you know. Uh, and with this Robert E. Lee characterization, it just there wasn't a lot of like reference to it. But I was in a fraternity that a lot many people thought was racist. And if you look historically, that fraternity around the around the around the the country had done some really racist shit. And didn't think about that, like I said, going into it. But then it, it, that was ever overt or ever intentional. But I look back on it now, and that shit, those memories have not aged well. Um, but even thinking about that, right? I was in a fraternity whose spiritual founder was Robert E. Lee. Okay, and I joined in two thousand and six or seven. And by the time I had joined, that fraternity had banned the Confederate flag. The fraternity whose spiritual founder was a general in the Confederate Army had banned the Confederate flag. So if you think about it based on those terms, NASCAR was a little behind there. <laughs> so 
good for them for standing up and they did it quickly. They were like, yeah, is this is what you guys want. Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Now, one thing I wanted to get into before we get into the state of things. First, if you love this show, make sure to go over to Apple Podcasts, leave it a five-star review. Find me at on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter at Connor Wanders. It's the same everywhere. Do yourself a favor. Get your sex, sexy ass over to whatever social media platform you prefer or just all of them. Hit me with a follow because I am still being shadow banned. I think it's, the shadow ban is slowly lifting, slowly lifting. But we got to beat censorship because censorship is a huge fucking problem. It is a huge problem. The authoritarian left, the authoritarian right are censoring the fuck out of everything, whether it's alternative information about coronavirus, whether it's whether it's information about the protests and what's really going on. It's being censored as fuck. So every share, every comment, everything that we can do to kind of beat these censorship algorithms is really appreciated. Um, and it goes a long way. It really does. Because at this point, if you're doing something that's contrary to the mainstream narrative, well, you're in, you're in a shitty spot. And they are biasing, especially if you put yourself in the category on YouTube, like I do, of news and politics, they're biasing quote-unquote reputable sources, which means MSNBC, CNN, um, Fox News to an extent, which is weird. But it, 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 holds, the, it holds the line. And these, these platforms have the capacity to influence public opinion at large scale. If you don't think that's the case, look at who the Democratic candidate for president is and how many people actually wanted that to happen. I would say not many based on the first three fucking primaries. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole today. I will be doing that soon. But one thing I wanted to speak about is given the state of the election, and we're going to get into some policy numbers or in some polling numbers uh, that have recently come out um, regarding Biden and Trump. But I just want to give a criticism of how Trump has handled uh, this entire situation after the killing of George Floyd. Now, with coronavirus and COVID-19 and the protests there, obviously that was, you could almost chalk that up as just Trump being Trump. And I understand that. Uh, it wasn't that many surprises there. And I can't say there hasn't been that many surprises here. But you've got to think this guy has advisors that are pointing him in some semblance of the right direction or what most people would consider the right direction. And I just wanted to think about what would be different. You know, I can go down my fantasy rabbit hole about, if, you know, if Bernie Sanders was a Democratic candidate, I think a lot of this stuff just wouldn't be happening because we'd have some kind of hope at the end of the tunnel. It's like, well, we'll just show up in November. And I don't think there's any argument that if Bernie Sanders was the candidate, he would likely win right now, if we were to have a vote today, uh, based on the situation with tons of people losing their jobs, subsequently losing their health care uh, due to that, um, and the fact that he's been a, an outspoken civil rights activist, marched with Martin Luther King, was arrested <laughs> in civil rights protests. Like This guy has a, a track record that I think would be really helpful um, as far as a leader now uh, with the potential to be the president, but not going down that rabbit hole. But I want to think about how much how much things would be different if the leader in this country, um, debatably the leader of the free world, would have come out instead of tweeting law and order and you got to be harder on the protesters and and <laughs> gassing and rubber bulleting uh, people so we could take an awkward photo with a Bible in front of a church. What if he would have come out and said, here's the fucking deal, okay? We will not tolerate rioting, looting, and crime at these protests. And we will not tolerate police 
violence against peaceful protesters. I think you can fit that all into a tweet in some way. Tweet that out. On one side, telling the protesters, hey, keep your shit together, don't do anything crazy, and police your own. If you see somebody doing something nefarious, if you see somebody breaking windows, stealing shit, stop them. Be the change you want to see. Police officers, if you are caught fucking with peaceful protesters, and that means tear gas, rubber bullets, pushing, punching, batons, any of that shit, you will be prosecuted to the full extent, same as the protesters rioting and looting. Just kibosh the fuckery on both sides. What if you would have come out with that narrative? What if you do you think that that would? And I'm curious about this. Maybe let me know. Find me on social media. Let me know. Fuck it. We'll, we'll clip this and put it on IGTV and YouTube. Do you think that would have made a difference? As opposed to the shit that he said, right? And if you're watching on YouTube, we'll run a few of his tweets up on the screen as well. This is such an interesting situation because I feel like he had a golden opportunity to make up for lost, lost ground here. And on the next episode, we're going to get into his, his, his policies around, um, around, uh, policing and what the changes are going to be made with the police departments and incentivizing reform. But unfortunately I didn't make it to this episode cause there's just so fucking much, but I'm curious if you think that would have made a difference. Now, what we are going to talk about on this episode is the Richard Brooks case. There have been some developments, and I want to let you all know that I intentionally didn't talk about that right when it happened because I <laughs> I know it's probably not helping me as far as views and downloads go to not be on the cutting edge of that case, but I wanted to get more information. I wanted to be informed. I wanted to have cohesive ideas. I wanted to really put together some thoughts that weren't knee-jerk when it came to that, and I might upset a few people. We'll just see. Uh, we're going to talk about Chaz or chop in Seattle and what's really going on versus the narratives that are being pushed. As I spoke about, we're going to talk about the Biden and Trump polling. And we're going to talk about something that just got released today. We got some breaking news about Chris D'Elia, comedian, podcast host, um, and supporting actor in the, in the recent, uh, season of you. Very ironic there. And then into something to think about. Of course, I'm going to give you something to think about. We're going to talk about the difference between patriotism and nationalism. And I'm going to play a clip from one of my favorite shows of all time that I think will, uh, I think might get you thinking, which is the point. With all that being said, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share this episode if you love it, if you're into it, and uh, go find us on YouTube. Let's get into the state of things. All right, that creepy ass heartbeat. I think it's kind of creepy. We'll probably find some new music soon. But anyways, I digress. Richard Brooks. Now, this man uh, had fallen asleep in the drive-thru of a Wendy's in Atlanta and um, ended that situation. The cops came, of course, as they do when you fall asleep in a drive-thru. 
but he wound up uh, being shot twice in the back. He is now, as everyone knows, he died. Uh, it was a really fucking crazy situation. Now, I'm going to play the videos here. Head over to YouTube if you want to see these videos. There are two that I'm going to play. I'm going to play a, a little bit of one, which is the the um, the body cam footage of him talking to the police. And then a compilation of some cell phone video from uh, one of the people that was sitting in the drive-thru. And then what I think is probably the best video of what happened um, as far as clarity of kind of showing the situation, which is the, the, the security camera footage from Wendy's itself. So this is, of course, graphic, uh, really hard to watch. Um, but we're going to just get into a little bit of, I want you, I want to play the video the, the, the body cam video and audio, just because I want you to see like this guy's demeanor in the situation. What I'm saying is that it's pretty much like normal drunk dude about to get a DUI, um, kind of conversation that's going on. So let's, let's, let's get into this a little bit. We'll skip around and, and see what we think. I can't blame nothing on her. It was my decision. I said, hey, if she can't get her order, her order together, and, you know, I'm not feeling, you know, up tight right now, I just park right here. Go to sleep. I'm not feeling, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not feeling right. What do you mean you're not feeling right? She, like do I said. Do you think maybe that you had too much to drink and you realized that you shouldn't drive, so you park? I mean, would that be accurate to say? Yes, sir. Mr. Ralph, yes. All right, so your girlfriend drops you off, you got into the car, I you backed out, and you pulled up, her. and you're like, damn, I'm too drunk to drive. And so you pull back into the parking spot. Park, right? I call her like. So it seems like what's happening there, and it was kind of a grainy audio, obviously, it's body cam. So he's saying that his girlfriend dropped him off, he had parked his car in the Wendy's parking lot, he gets in his car, he backs up, he's going to go through the drive through that's where he falls asleep. Um, I think that's what happened. He may have also just fallen asleep in the parking lot and the Wendy's employees called the cops. Uh, but that seems to be what's, what's happening there. Now let's kind of progress because it's more and more of just that. Like I had a margarita and a half and he's going back and forth and trying to get him to it. You know, he said, he said, um, he said he had too much to drink. So the officer goes back, gets the breathalyzer and now he's taking the breathalyzer. By the way, if you're ever in this situation, do not blow. Don't blow. Okay. Deny it. You will get arrested. That's okay. But this guy apparently never left the parking lot. Okay. So he was never on public property intoxicated on the road. If he wouldn't have blown and just taken, taken the hit, got one of those, any of those lawyers that are on those billboards and shit, you can find one. They're all over the place. Could have got him out of this with very little of, you know, hoping he didn't have prior DUIs or DWIs. So Little word of the wise there. As you can't tell, tell you to stop. Blah, 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 stop. Very good. Don't know what he blew, but apparently it's over 0.08. That's it. How many? One and a half. Like I said, I was into the second cup. I wasn't even, I told her, babe, let's go because I'm hungry. I what, need what kind eat. of drinks did you have? Uh, I'm not sure. It's something she ordered. She said top shelf or whatever. Top shelf what? I'm not sure. It was, like I said, it was her birthday and. It was my daughter's birthday intent to, you know, have a good time. And I said, babe, you know, I'm hungry. Let's go. My, my, my baby's mom, she was there. I said, babe, go ahead. I'm cool. You know, here's the money for 
the blow up bed tomorrow. Here's the money for, you know, to enjoy herself tomorrow. Just, you know, give me a burger or or something. To just take me home. I'm ready to go. So you had about one and a half drinks, but you don't remember what kind of drinks they were? No, sir. All right. I really don't, Mr. All right. I think you've had too much to drink to be dry. Put your hands on your back, boy. So notice here's one of the problems that they're coming up with as far as um, the prosecution is that he never told them he was under arrest. All right, and then it gets just out of control as far as his body cam, so you can't really see what's going on. Then we're going to move over to um, the footage from the uh, the security camera and the cell phone camera. So wrestling around, wrestling around. He ends up grabbing the taser, wrestling around. Damn. He's on top of one of the cops. Punches one of them. Shoot the taser at him again. Now here we're on the security footage. Turns around trying to shoot the taser at him. The cop shoots three times. Now that's hard to watch, but we look at this and say, okay, and I try and try and, and, and look at this from every, every angle, what, who's going to say what the popular narrative on, um, now let's just looking this got posted on, on Fox news um, Instagram. And, and the popular thing is, well, you know, this cop was promptly fired immediately. Um, and it's like, well, this kind of sucks to get fired for doing your job. There's a couple things to consider here. The weapon he took from the cop was a taser that had already been fired twice, so it wasn't really able to shoot again. It wasn't, it wasn't live anymore. Um, so that's something to be considered. Now, did the cop know that? I don't know. He shot him three times. He was running away. Really, the use of deadly force is only if you kind of have the potential for injuring yourself or someone else. He was resisting pretty heavily. I don't understand how he got the fuck away from two cops. I don't think that should be a thing. We'll get, we'll get into that in a second. And I'm trying to look at this and say like, this is not as clear cut as George Floyd. Obviously this isn't as clear cut as many police shootings. This dude didn't need to die though. This didn't need to go this far. I don't think he 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 presented any real harm to anyone outside of himself. And the cop knew it was a taser. Now, if he would have pulled that out of his jacket and turned around, absolutely, that guy gets shot. No questions asked. You start wrestling with a police officer who has a firearm and you take away their taser and you turn around and shoot it at it. If you were just taking the taser and throwing it away, just throw it into the trees and take off, run off, that'd be a different situation. There's a lot of things to be considered here. Is this murder? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think... And I'm trying to look at this. This police officer is 27 years old. I look at this and say, he fucking panicked. 
He wasn't prepared for this kind of situation. He went too far. Manslaughter? Probably open shut. Yeah. Murder? I just I can't get I just can't get behind that. There is no real winning in that situation for this guy. They had his driver's license, they had his car. Those are also arguments, right? He can't really get away. There's not anywhere for him to go. He's also drunk. If you let him run 50 more yards, he's probably going to fucking slow way down and then be exasperated, and then you can just get a hold of him there. There's a million ways you can go about doing this. A million ways. That didn't end in somebody being killed or even shots being fired. So I look at this and say, all right. If you are a police officer, there's two of you. On one drunk guy, and you're trying to arrest this dude, and he takes your taser away from you and runs off. That very well could have been you got a hold of your pistol, and something really fucked up could have happened. If you get your weapon taken away by a drunk guy when there's two police officers, you probably need another fucking job. You want to if you want to protect people, go join the fire department or something. Where you're not carrying a fucking gun. That situation did not need to escalate in the way that it did. Like I said, I don't believe it's murder. I don't think they're going to get that conviction. Uh, if they do, I think it's because of the, the, the of the social climate right now. Also, why are you in a situation where two grown men whose responsibility is protecting the public can't subdue one drunk guy and this isn't some big burly man they're all kind of the same size this speaks to me of lack of training if this guy had a a mediocre understanding of jujitsu for example this would not have happened this would not have happened and so when we look at things like defund the police and reform and where we want to go with this i think that if you are a police officer one the scope of what you do which this would be inside that scope this is a a drunk driving situation the scope of what you do needs to be narrowed okay i brought up the fire department a second ago fire department does a very a few things okay they assist in 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 accidents and 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 car accidents they put out fires They don't, there's not a whole lot of things they do. Their scope is pretty narrow and they do a pretty fucking good job of it. Now we've got cops doing these catch all, all over the place, spread really thin and that impacts things. The budget system is also completely fucked. That's why I like a lot of what people have to say when they talk about defunding the police, not abolishing the police, not running without any police at all, but vastly redesigning what police are supposed to do, giving them very clear boundaries as far as where their responsibilities are lie. Now, with that all being said, I know it's an unpopular opinion, especially for somebody who's left-leaning to say, I don't think this is murder. I think it's a mistake. I think it's an overuse of force. I think it was dangerous. Shot him twice in the back. He was running away. There are better ways to handle that. He had a taser that wasn't even operational. It wasn't like he was carrying it around. He did take it from the cop. So in my view... This cop's fired for losing his fucking weapon in a brawl with a drunk guy 
with his partner there. If it was one-on-one, maybe we're in a different situation. Another thought is, if you're going to do this, if you're going to take responsibility for public safety as the primary driver of your career, then fucking act like it by training yourself in skills that are going to help you use non-lethal force appropriately and protect yourself in the meantime. I don't know what that means. There's lots of different methods out there. I think jujitsu is probably the best one. Those gyms are fucking everywhere. It's not that hard. I also think it shouldn't come out of your pocket. I think that should be part of the police budget instead of buying armored cars and new fucking fancy toys. Invest in training these people and giving them something that helps them progress their career and keep the public safer. Now, this officer has been charged. And I want to hear, we're going to hear from the attorney that is representing Richard Brooks on what those charges are. So these are the charges that uh, we have had filed a day signed by one of our Superior Court judges. Uh, these are the 11 charges against Officer Roth. Uh, the first charge is felony murder. This is a uh, the death that is as a result of a underlying felony. And in this case, the underlying felony is aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. And the possible sentences for a felony murder conviction would be life, life without parole, or the death penalty. Now, uh, he's also charged uh, by, uh, in, in the arrest warrant, with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. And uh, this is a, uh, a, a, a count charging him for the shooting of uh, Mr. Brooks. And the possible sentence for aggravated assault is 1 to 20 years. Unfortunately, this marks the 40th prosecution of police officers for misconduct uh, here in our county. And this is the ninth time that we've prosecuted a homicide case committed by a police officer. Uh, eight of those Damn. cases involved uh, black males, and one of those cases involved a black female. So there's something to be said for that as far as those that look at stats. Out of the nine times they've, they've um, had to handle a situation like this, eight of them were black males and one of them was a black female. Something to be said for that. Something to be said for that. But I'm curious what you think. I'm curious what you think because I hear I hear a lot in the media and it's so partisan. Again, it just gets fucking split between <laughs> on party lines straight across. Is this an unjustified killing? Yes. But just like I say when it comes to Black Lives Matter and the and the, the conditions in which black communities have to conduct themselves, which are suboptimal to say the least, we got to think why. Why is income inequality affecting this community disproportionately? And in a situation like this, you can't just pick one side to apply that thinking to. Okay, that's not objectivity. That's not critical thinking. That's confirmation bias. So if we look on the other side, it's like, why was the, were these police officers unable to handle the situation appropriately? We've got to look deeper than the surface. It is a tragedy that this man died. He did not need to die. The situation did not need to happen. There's a million different ways this thing could have gone on both sides. 
sides. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a police officer. But there are deep underlying issues that, 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 that cover a broad spectrum in this country that need to be addressed. I don't believe this was murder. I, 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 that's just what my gut says. This guy panicked, undertrained. Is he a part of the problem? Yes. Now, maybe something will come out about this guy and it'll prove that he was racist and he was, you know, it was motivated by his, his disdain for black people. I didn't see that in his conduct, though, from the body cam footage. He seemed to be conducting himself, and that's the, fun, that's the crazy thing here. It's not funny, but it's crazy that he conducted himself very professionally up until the moment he shot the guy. What does that say? Now we see, we've seen so hundreds of videos of police officers conducting themselves in, in just inappropriate, inappropriate manner all over the place, whether it's, whether it's, it's, it's discrimination against Hispanics and black people. It, it, shit, they're treating white people like shit too. I mean, this is happening all over the place. But we've got we've to look at this thing through a very critical lens and, and say that this guy was conducting himself appropriately up until a point where he fucking lost it and, and panicked and, and made a really bad decision that I'm sure he regrets, but that, that doesn't excuse him. It's, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, but we've got to look at both sides and say, what is the deeper issue here? And I don't believe in this case, it was racism. I think if I would have done that, I would be dead too. I really think based on what I've seen and what I've dug into this quite a bit, I think if I would have done the exact same thing as this guy, I would be dead too. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's a lot to think about. It is a lot to think about. <sighs> That's deep. It's dark. It's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. And the timing, maybe it's good timing. Maybe it's terrible timing. I don't fuck. It's, it's, what do we do? What do we do? All right, let's move on. That's all I got. To, that's all I got to say about that, as far as for, as, as as Forrest Gump would say. I want to take you down. Uh, take you down to the newest. The newest. Newest. The newest. <laughs> oh God, I cracked myself up. Take you over to the newest country. Maybe the newest country. Chaz. Old Chaz, and we're gonna look at. And we're gonna. You've got to see the videos to make this to make this fucking all make sense. Well, we're gonna play a, tri a clip, or we're gonna actually play the full segment from Tucker Carlson uh, on his talk about Chaz, and then we're gonna go over to um, the Guardian and show what they're showing about Chaz, and then I'm going to read you texts from a, a friend of mine who lives near Chaz. Who has a full description of what it's like in Chaz right now from a friend of hers that documented um, documented their experience visiting Chaz? So let's 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 just go ahead and get right into this. Last night we introduced you to the latest addition to our global family of nations, the 196th country on Earth. We're keeping track. It's called Chaz. Chaz's gleaming capital rises from land that once belonged to an indigenous but now nearly extinct tribe known as the Seattle Police Department. I feel like that's a little bit racist. 
As with so many great nations, the creation story of jazz holds innumerable lessons for all of us. It's a tale of unlikely good fortune and the triumph of perseverance over hardship. How do a group of people with no useful skills, no record of achievement or personal hygiene, a group capable of smashing windows and setting... Do you see how belittling that is? No personal hygiene or no, no history of achievements. You don't know who the, fuck, who the fuck is even in there. Like, what does that even mean? Why would you say that? Fires, but nothing else. How do a group like that create an entirely new nation? Well, that's a question we may soon face here in the United States, in fact, given our current trajectory. It's never easy to build things with people who can only destroy. And yet, Chaz pulled it off. With grit and determination, this plucky little nation managed to give birth to itself, and in the process, a whole new era of democratic self-government. Okay, that's overstatement. They haven't actually built anything in Chaz. It's still mostly graffiti and discarded Starbucks cups. Nor is it fully a democracy. In fact, the country is run by a warlord slash rapper called Raz. Who that's actually not true. Whose last paying job was renting out his own apartment on Airbnb. Okay, so now they're going to not only belittle the people that are there for lack of hygiene and not creating anything in that of their lives, but now somebody who rents out their apartment on Airbnb is now a vagrant? Less than? A problem? I don't know. I like Airbnb. I think it's a great business model. I think it's really helpful. Um, but I don't know. Maybe this is why Tucker Carlson has lost five of his seven major sponsors in the past month. It is, in other words, a work in progress. But Chaz does have one functioning institution. It's a Department of Agriculture. It's up and running. Chazistanis are a proud, independent people, and they plan to feed themselves. Take a look at Chaz's first collective farm. Okay, so what they're showing here is just a, a little garden-type situation. Now, listen to what Tucker said. They're trying to feed themselves with this garden. That is absolutely fucking bullshit. That is not true. That is not what's happening here. What is going on is in this park... Someone is, is teaching gardening classes. So they have these little uh, circular um, kind of garden-like situations, and they're teaching people how to plant their own food, how to grow a garden. It's, like a, it's a, essentially just like a life skills class you would take in high school, and it, it seems pretty cool, actually. It's like, that's not what they're not trying to like sustain themselves with this food because most of the businesses in Chaz are still open and functioning, and people are buying stuff there, and they're in support of Chaz. They have signs up. It's, it, they're, they're, they're thriving within the Chaz uh, environment. No, it's not Kansas at harvest time. You don't see swaying fields of wheat. Such a dick. But it's a start. The farmers of Chaz have big dreams. They imagine several more square feet of kale and organic scallions planted in Dixie cups. And of course, cannabis. Lots and lots of stinky indica buds for the people. Again, if you smoke weed, like the weed that I have upstairs in my coffee table, you are a problem. Reefer madness. If you want to grow your own weed, do your own thing, know where your weed comes from, you know, have that organic herb, fuck you. Right? Is that, is that right, Tucker? <laughs> Tucker seems like one of those fucking guys who's like, I didn't inhale. This fucking doofy ass haircut. I would love to see Tucker Carlson high. Just sit, ripping up, ripping a little joint. Oh, he's like, yeah, man. <laughs> Capitalism, bro. The Chazistanis may not know a lot about agriculture, but they have heart. As they often say, as they work the fields, 
If they could do it in Jonestown, we can do it here. Now we're comparing them to a cult in which everyone killed themselves. That's, that seems fair. Naturally, officials in nearby Washington state have become bitterly jealous of this thriving breakaway republic. Two days ago, Jay Inslee, the small-minded governor of Washington, pretended he had never even heard of Small-minded, that's cool. But I'd like to ask you about uh, what's going on in Seattle. There's this uh, thing called the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. What's your thought on that? The fact that the protesters have taken that over and not allowing people to come and go freely? Well, that's news to me, so I'll have to reserve any comment about it. I, I, have, not, <laughs> I have not heard anything about that. That's a Donald Trump style of dodging Never questions. heard of Chaz? As if. Come on, Governor, show us the search history on your phone. Every idealistic young pioneer in this country has been compulsively Googling Chaz for days, and you haven't? Please. It's ridiculous. The media, meanwhile, and not surprisingly, have missed the story completely. They're pretending Chaz isn't even... I love when the media talks about the media. <laughs> like, those other fucking podcasters out there aren't doing it right. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> the media is misleading you, but only I mislead you in the right direction. Even a real country. They're calling it a street fair. Hundreds of demonstrators have been gathering in what is being described as part protest zone, part commune, part street festival. You know, the president calls them anarchists and somebody could call it anarchy, but it's more so to the extent that you could call it a community takeover. Suggesting that the U.S. military would use force. We're talking about six blocks here. This is the Capitol Hill neighborhood in the heart of Seattle. And we're talking about a six block area. It's much more of a pedestrian street fair type atmosphere. You have the food trucks that are open, the favorite tacos shop is open there's couches yeah. that are out there food trucks and a taco shop the people on television pretend this proud independent nation is some kind of ethnic food the people on television <laughs> tucker carlson is criticizing the people on television what the fuck? festival no corporate stooges this isn't about pinatas and dunk tanks this is nationhood Chaz has teeth. Chaz can bite back, as one cable news reporter discovered. Remember, they want to see this police department defunded or even abolished. Short of some type of major concession, they're not going to leave voluntarily. And we should point out that Washington is an open carry state. And no doubt, uh, some of these protesters are armed, Anderson. So uh, you have to worry about the potential for bloodshed, the potential for violence. I mean... Armed protesters are kind of the norm. It's 2020, man. Armed protesters are just like what we do now. That's like our thing. It's like, let's just take guns and go stand in public. That's 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 how we that's how we protest things we disagree with in 2020. So I feel like Fox News should be pretty on top of that. Like that's that that's kind of their thing. Hear that, Chaz deniers? Chaz has guns. King Raz merely has to say the word, and his country's crack special forces teams will emerge like ninjas from the shadows. You may not even recognize them as soldiers. Some may look homeless. Others may be injecting narcotics or shoplifting. <laughs> but make no mistake, this army means business. They rolled over the Seattle Police Department like Cortez conquering the Aztecs. They'll do it to you too, did, CNN. Did, did, did they? Did they? Radio host Jason Rance is our man on the ground just to cross the demilitarized. All right, you got to see this fucking guy. This f <laughs> this guy's eyebrows. 
<laughs> it looks like you took electrical tape and like shaped them into eyebrows. It's like if like a little kid was to draw on your eyebrows, this is what they would look like. This is the doofiest looking motherfucker I've ever seen in my entire life. And you'll see that like this guy d doesn't have friends. Like this is, this guy is worse than Charlie Kirk. His haircut's even worse, which is saying a lot. This is the doofiest motherfucker I have ever seen in my entire life. Zone from Chaz. He joins us tonight. Jason, thanks so much for coming on. Were you able to cross the border today? Well, I have to tell you that they actually realized that their border was quite porous. There were some cops who were able to get through, so they refortified the borders that are there so that they could keep some of these uh, police invaders from coming actually into their mm. nation. So, so misleading. it's a little bit more difficult than usual to get in, but they have actually confirmed that they are, in fact, armed and they're keeping track of people who are coming in and out of their nation. No, so they're, not. they're taking their security as this burgeoning nation very seriously, but they're obviously also having some problems, as you just showed. the what appears to be a farm that was put together by Michael Bloomberg. It literally looks like topsoil on top of ground that they haven't even dug up. And they realize yeah. that maybe it's going to take a little bit longer for them That's to actually grow is. some of the food. So they have Look, it's, a, a it's list a of some requests. Yeah. Yeah, they're looking for some food, Gatorade, also cigarettes, of course. And they're realizing that maybe they don't... Of course, cigarettes, because, you know... ...don't have enough residents who are willing to do some of the cleanup. So, of course, the city came in and actually cleaned some of the porta-potties that were actually delivered by the city to this new nation. So, I mean, it's Wait, a good so thing the, the, that uh, Seattle it, is stepping up and giving some help. There are already NGOs on the ground? I mean, this sounds more like a refugee camp than it does a, a proud independent nation. So Look, fucked what up. what independent nation hasn't gone through some of these growing pains? Right. It's going to they don't really even have a leader. In fact, now they're I know we mentioned Raz Simone. There's some concern that he doesn't actually represent everyone. And it turns out there Ooh. hasn't been an election. Maybe there will be. Perhaps they'll ask for IDs for people to vote. So I, as a South Lake Union resident of Seattle, don't get a say in picking their leader. But we'll see. May I ask you, you said at the outset that Chaz has fortified its borders. Did anybody point out that that's racist? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's racist. Borders are racist. We're going to uh, point out exactly how fucking absurd that statement is a little bit later, but let's be very clear about something. They're not really vetting people that are coming through. What they have are boundaries. If you want to call them borders, you can, but if you're calling them borders, they're open borders. And I don't think anybody, um, even on the left, I think the vast majority of people would say that borders are a bad thing. But um, this has been something that people are saying over and over again. Oh, these leftists have these borders around Chaz. It's like they're fucking, they're barricades and you can just walk right through them. It's like going to a music festival. Right? They, borders are racist, but they're progressive Seattleites and they're very woke. So obviously if they're doing it, it can't be racist. It still seems racist to me. Huh? huh. You think you'll be able to get in oh. tomorrow over the oh. weekend? That, that's your privilege. Yeah. Uh, I will try to get in over the this weekend. Oh, no, we wouldn't want you to get a contact high, Jason. You fucking nerd. <laughs> what a fucking dweeb. How is this guy? What is this guy? How is this guy on TV? Like, what is what the fuck is wrong? <laughs> He's like, let me be a dork. It's like, it's this is what you would expect from like a 14 year old 
uh, conservative commentator on TikTok. That's that's this guy's level of of, of journalism. This is absurd. It was the case yesterday. There was a lot of weed being smoked. A lot of weed. Uh, oh no! There, and someone actually walked up to us and they said, "Where can we smoke?" And I said, "It's Chaz. I think you can pretty much smoke wherever it is you want." Yes, you can. Ah, oh, that's the America they're planning for us. Jason Rance outside Chaz on the DMZ. Good to see you tonight. Thank you. I know, that was, I know that I know that was a long video, and uh, there's a lot there. But that's that's kind of the we'll just use Tucker as the example of what of what Fox News and many on the right are saying that this is this is a, is it's an Antifa controlled state. Uh, they're heavily armed. And I want to point out that these autonomous style zones are not new. Now, if you've seen the show The Wire, uh, there was a very interesting uh, part of I think it was season three or four where uh, the police chief ends up making this one area. Uh, basically a cop free zone where you could do drugs. Um, you could do, you could drink in public. It's this, it was the same philosophy as when you, when you drink uh, a beer in a paper sack, you can drink it on the street because it's just not out in the open. And they were trying to concentrate uh, the drug use instead of spreading it into communities, having it in this one localized area. That is the philosophy behind what the governor and the mayor of, um, of Washington are doing with Chaz. If we focus and concentrate all of the protesters into one area, it doesn't disrupt life outside of that area. People can still have their voices heard. They can do what they need to do. They can stand up for what they believe in. They can use their First Amendment rights, but they're not doing it all over the fucking place. So they have this one little six-block area inside of Seattle where they can do that, but it doesn't disrupt everything everywhere else. And I think it's actually a really solid and progressive idea. Um, and it doesn't seem, I mean, like I said, guns at protests are just a thing now. Like That's just what is happening. If you have an open carry state, people are going to use their right, their Second Amendment right, along with the, the, legal, um, <laughs> the legal justification to carry weapons around. That's just what it is. That's what, that's what happens when you have an open carry state. And people vote on that. So if you don't like it, then maybe vote differently about open carry matters. But it just is what it is. Now, there's been a lot of, of narratives about them taking over um, the, city, the city hall or some shit like that. And like, but they were just let in. And then they just left peacefully. It's been a, a very peaceful situation. And it's funny because the violence in these protests has died down a ton but it hasn't changed much. Like it's like now the 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 Fox Newses of the world are reaching for more. Like I need to find some violence because we need to continue to run our narrative about what these protests are. When really it's a very peaceful place. So let's get into what um, the uh, Guardian has to say about this. And they did some interviews with some people that were there and just see this. Let's look at the contrast. We're not, we're not fighting the military. We're not trying to secede from the United States. If we do, then we're losing all the progress we're actually trying to make. My name's Noah. This is my first day manning the uh, daytime barricade. I ran the uh, nighttime barricade. We are not at all really like how people are saying we don't stop anyone from coming in. We don't, you know, pat people down. We just let people come in and just be who they want to be. So once you uh, walk through the barricades, as anyone is freely allowed to do. It's just people walking around. You'll see an atmosphere of people. Somebody's jogging with their dog. Just walking around. I don't see that on Fox News. 
people we're are cleaning up. Legality, and there's a lot of people who want to change the narrative to something that would make what we're doing illegal. We are not doing anything illegal. We are protesters. And so every day we have to get up and correct what someone did wrong or tried to establish or tagged all over the place or the headlines that don't make sense. There's so many, there's so much of that that it, it actually deters because then the type of people who come reflect the new narrative that's being spread online. So then we have people who are being agitators or aggression or aggressors or anarchists who want to fuck shit up and that goes against what we're doing or why we're here completely. And we are not going to allow the conditions of people who want to detract from our mission to stop us from getting the equity or the leverage of the rights that we have. So this is one of the more uh, central areas um, of the Black Lives Matter movement here in Seattle. Um, you can see behind me, uh, there's a very large mural. This mural is fucking street. dope, by the way. Look around. You see families with children. Play with a stroller. Uh, yeah. A lot of music going on. There's a lot of Some live tents. music at night. Uh, there's free coffee. Free coffee. Um, Sign me up. There are medical tents. There is the No Cop Co-op, where everything is free. Uh, we're getting supplies from everyday people. We're getting supplies from people with means. So it's um, definitely a movement by the people for the people. I'm standing here kind of where everyone is camping. Got a little tent city going on in the park. It's a pretty heavily occupied area. Um, Close to maybe a hundred tents. The center of this is the garden area. So this is about giving black people ownership of the land, allowing them to build their own self-sustainable communities, uh, build their own economic systems. Uh, this one in particular is uh, we're trying to create space for BIPOC, so black indigenous people of color, uh, to come and garden together and just like, you know, create relationships. 2020 has been an interesting year of like, creating a lot of situations where people were kind of forced to rethink how they live their lives. And, you know, we couldn't have asked for a better situation to, um, I guess, I think a better time for this movement to occur. Like the, the ground was ripe. Back into the protest area of Cal Anderson, where a lot of people are hanging out. People hanging out on a, on a soccer field, it looks like. Chaz Chop is not Coachella. There's still a lot of work to be done and there's still a lot of things that still need to happen before we just start lounging around and start relaxing. Um, I put this event on specifically because I wanted to touch on that, but also make sure that we're highlighting black, indigenous, and people of color voices. Hell yeah, dude, drum circle, sign me up for that too. to your spirit. You know, not your ears, not what you hear with, but what you feel with. Turn that down a little bit for you guys. So that's the difference. That is the difference between Fox News 
and The Guardian. Now, which one's right? I think they're both. One's painting sunshine and rainbows. One's painting doom and gloom. Um, I don't know. You be the judge. But I do want to... This is, this is not a news uh, outlet. This is not um, something that is partisan in any way. This is a guy walking through. And this is something that I want to read to you because I really wanted to get into it. This is, this is something I'm really... It, it shows hypocrisy. It shows the divides that are being created and, that's created, and that's something that I'm really passionate about, as all of you that listen to the show know, that divisiveness uh, solves no problems. It solves nothing. So he reads through here. He says he, uh, he got there around noon. It was 58 degrees with intermittent rain. There are about 1,000 to 2,000 people in the Chaz. That is about six square blocks. We've talked about that already. The majority seem to be doing the same thing I was, walking around, taking in the atmosphere. Lots of photos being taken and videos being shot. He didn't see anybody carrying guns. Uh, I said it was about 66% white, 14% Asian, and 7% black. I don't know how he figured that out. That's pretty funny. Roughly two-thirds are wearing masks, and there be, seemed to be little concern about social distancing, which is pretty obvious at this point. He said he entered and exited at four different points. I was not greeted, stopped, challenged, frisked, or asked for ID. I was not aware of anybody stationed at any of the barricades, which appeared to be the same barriers and fencing used by the police. I do not see anybody carrying firearms. Um, with the exception of a medical tent, I was unaware of any sense of organization or, or assigned roles or responsibilities. There are a few tents, yada, yada, yada. Businesses open in the zone. The police's East Precinct building is completely, completely boarding up, boarded up with a chain link fence over most of the plywood. There are no signs of attempts to damage or burn the building. Yeah. As I was, as I was leaving, I witnessed a confrontation, an argument over whether someone should be able to park their minivan parallel to one of the barricades. That's it. That's as, that's as violent as things got. All right, and then he said, while driving home, I swung past the police's southwest precinct, which is about a mile from our house. It did not appear to have any extra barriers, additional security, or unusual activity. So that's from someone who lives just a couple miles away from Chaz. And I think it's really interesting to see, like, this is the people that live there. These people that live in Seattle, they're not like, oh, fuck Chaz. Chaz is, it's like, and of course Seattle is highly progressive. But I think what they've got going here is like, hey, we're, we're containing this. You know, we've got porta potties in there. Nobody's shitting on the sidewalk. Things are, you know, we have this contained. People can protest. People can, you know, graffiti do what they want to do. They can, I mean, at this point, street art is pretty common everywhere. And of course, they'll clean lots of that up, I'm sure, with taxpayer money, which is debatably unfair. But looking at the situation doesn't seem that dangerous to me. Doesn't seem that dangerous to me. And if they recreate these in other cities around the country, well, fine. <laughs> like, fine. I mean, to be honest with you, this country was kind of founded on taking property away from people. So if they want to temporarily occupy a few city blocks to, to, to orchestrate a protest that's more long-term, more power to them. That's what I have to say. Now, I want to get into, real quick, and this podcast is going to be a long one. Goddamn, we're getting into it. Um, I want to read just a few takes on this Justice in Policing Act, which I uh, printed out. This is what the Democrats uh, are pushing right now. And I want to just read um, some notes on here. So they say they want to, and I'm, I just printed out the summary and just kind of read through this. I wanted to get a, a, a kind of initial thought on what we are working with and what the, what the Democrats, supposedly the the defenders of the people, if you want to believe what they the bullshit they have to say, 
Um, I want to just read through a little bit of what they have to say. So I'm going to modify section 1983 to ensure individuals to individuals to recover damages when law enforcement officers violate their constitutional rights. That seems like a good idea. Okay, cool. Let's continue. The Department of Justice Civil Rights Division ability to conduct pattern and practice investigations into discriminatory and unconstitutional policing practices, which have been under undermined by the Trump administration. So they are looking at if, if a police officer has a pattern of disruptive behavior, they want to be able to address that. And the Trump administration has pulled some things back that make that possible. Okay, great. Let's keep going. What else is here? That's, that's, uh, that's important. Create law enforcement development programs to develop policing best practices. What the fuck does that even mean? Could you be more vague, please? Require the attorney general to collect data on the following investigatory actions and de- detentions by federal law enforcement agencies, the racial distribution of drug charges, the use of deadly force and against against law enforcement officers, traffic and pedestrian stops and detentions. I like being able to have that data on hand at scale. Because we're looking at, we don't. It's very broad. I want to be able to have very highly detailed data on how many people are getting stopped for drug-related offenses. Because right now we're looking at there's three times more drug-related arrests in the black community versus the white community, and with with similar drug usage within the community. So, if you want to fucking you know crack down on cocaine, you should probably start at you know frat houses on a Saturday night, not in the black community. Not to mention the crack charges, which are way different than cocaine charges for no reason aside to discriminate, right? Let's have every opportunity we can to discriminate against people. All right. It says the problem blacks are 3.6 times more likely to be arrested for selling drugs. Despite the fact that whites are more likely to sell drugs. Interesting. Blacks are two times, 2.5 times more likely to be arrested for possessing drugs despite using drugs at the same rate as whites. Sorry. I overshot that a little bit. 2.5, not three times. Um, well, let's see. Mandate law enforcement provide training on racial, religious, and discriminatory profiling. This is absolute bullshit. This is just going to annoy cops more, and they're going to sit through these fucking seminars that don't do a goddamn thing. So stupid. All right. I mean, I guess it, you throw it in there for fluff because it sounds good, but it doesn't really, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't create any real change. Condition federal funding to state and local law enforcement to adopt policies to combat combat racial, religious, and discriminatory discriminatory profiling. Again, that doesn't fucking mean anything. Condition federal funding to state and local law enforcement to establish best practices to discourage profiling. Again, you're just going to annoy police officers for having to do this. This doesn't actually create any real change. This is where it just becomes a fluff piece. This is fucking silly. Continue. All right. Establish a training program to, co- to cover racial bias, implicit bias, produ- pr- procedural justice, and the duty of intervene. In the duty to intervene. Again, nothing. Mandate training at the federal level. What does that do? Um, condition federal funding on established training at the state and local level. So they're just talking about revamping training to, and it's just like a diversity thing. Have you ever been to a diversity program? It's fucking silly. It's silly. Like, what are we going to tell them? Something they already fucking know that doesn't really address the way they do their fucking job. Um, ban the use of chokeholds and carotid holds, which is like ba- like what exactly the carotid hold is what uh, they had on uh, George Floyd. I think chokeholds are actually really an important non-lethal uh, detainment 
situation if necessary. I don't. Th- I think banning unnecessary chokeholds is a, is a bad idea, but not being able to use a chokehold on somebody is is naive because that's that's one of the best. It's one of the best ways to subdue somebody who's losing their fucking shit. Um, but again, you had to be trained in how to do it properly. And that's where people get fucked up. They don't know when to stop. Uh, and it goes too far, far too often. So again, that's more of like, learn how to do fucking jujitsu, guys. Come on. Limit the transfer of military grade equipment to state and local law enforcement. Limit how? We're going to drop it by 10%, 40%, 90%? Maybe just not do that? Huh. I don't know. Well, that's that. So, uh, mostly just like a bunch of fucking nonsense, but I wanted to read through that and just point out some of the things that I saw. Everything else that was in there was just fucking the same bullshit. Let's look at, uh, the polling. This is hilarious. The headline is 80% of voters say things are out of control in the U S no shit. (laughs) Moving down here. This is so fucking funny. All right. So, Eight in 10 Americans say the country is out of control. Uh, <laughs> we're going to put this bar graph up on the video. Oh, uh, the margin of error is 3.59%. So maybe it's, maybe it's 77% of people say it's out of control. Oh God. Let's see. Let's continue going down. Now this is the, this, this is the best part. Biden beats Trump two to one in the ability to bring the country together. Now I'm going to read through all of these. These are fucking hilarious. All right. So they, they basically polled people on what they feel, who the Philly best, the best candidate is to handle this situation. So cutting the unemployment rate, Trump is at 48%, uh, Biden at 35 dealing with the economy. Trump's at 48, Biden at 37 dealing with China uh, is where it starts to get a little bit more. Even Trump at 43, Biden at 40. I think that Trump does a better job dealing with China than Biden will because he's kind of a he's kind of a pushover when it comes to China, but that's that's me. <laughs> Being competent and effective, 38% for Trump, 47% for Biden. Representing change, 37% for Trump, 41% for Biden for Biden. Dealing with the coronavirus, 37% for Trump, 48% for Biden. Ending gridlock. 35% for Trump, 40% for Biden. Dealing with health care, 34% for Trump, 49% for Biden. Addressing the concerns in the African-American community, 30% for Trump, 49% for Biden. Addressing concerns in the Latino community, 26% for Trump, 50% for Biden. I like how... <laughs> yeah, to call in Mexicans rapists and murderers didn't do you any favors there, bro. Uh, having the ability to bring the country together, 20, 26% for Trump. 51% for Biden dealing with issues, cons- <laughs> dealing with issues of concern to women, 25% Trump, 46% Biden <laughs> and Trump's approval rating is at, um, 39%. So that's fun. That's fun stuff. Wow. 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 <laughs> and you gotta also understand like that's Joe Biden. That's Joe Biden. He's, he's competing against a guy who said that poor kids are just as bright as white kids. <laughs> what a fucking joke. This is insane. <laughs> what, what world are we living in right now? Oh, my God. This is hilarious. All right, moving on. Now, we're going to get into this. And again, I highly recommend you head over to YouTube if you have not yet to check this out. So... Crystalia is accused of sexually pursuing and grooming underage girls. Now, 
I wasn't really 100% sure on what grooming was, so let's define grooming real quick. Child grooming is befriending and establishing an emotional connection with a child and sometimes the family to lower the child's inhibitions with the objective of sexual abuse. Child grooming is also regularly used to lure minors into various illicit businesses such as child trafficking, child prostitution, cyber sex trafficking, and the production of child pornography. I don't feel like he was grooming anybody. That's not really that's not really what I get here. I think he was being really creepy, but we're going to dive into it. So multiple women have come forward with allegations of online sexual misconduct against Chris D'Elia, which the comedian has denied. In a Twitter in a Twitter thread on Tuesday night, user Simone Rossi, who uses the handle Girl Power to be honest, TBH, shared screenshots of an alleged conversation she had with D'Elia in 2014 when she was 16 years old, claiming she was groomed by the comedian. Doesn't seem like, there wasn't like a, it was very, it wasn't really grooming, it was very just upfront. We'll get into that in just a second. The screenshots appear to show Dalia 40 requesting a pic from Rossi, now 22, and even asked if they could make out when she was 16. And she, this is a quote from her, imagine being 16 and, 16 and being groomed by a stand-up comedian twice your age, and the only reason you never met up and you never got physically molested was because you had just gotten a boyfriend your own age. For the longest time, I thought it was embarrassing for me that I was interacting with this older man, but he was the one who deemed me on Twitter and was the one who was twice my age and was the one who used power imbalance between us to, uh, <laughs> between us to his advantage. So fuck Crystalia. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Now, in a statement to people, Crystal Leah said, I know I have said and done things that might have offended people during my career, but I never knowingly pursued any underage women at any point. All of my relationships have been both legal and consensual. I have never met or exchanged any inappropriate photos with the people who have tweeted about me. That being said, I really am truly sorry. It was I was a dumb guy who absolutely let myself get caught up in my lifestyle. That's my fault. I own it. I've been reflecting on this for some time now, and I promise it will continue I will continue to do better. Now we're going to get into some of the tweets here um, from what was going on. Let's see here. So I want to be clear here. She was 16, but she was she was she was putting some stuff out there as well. But not that, that makes this by any means okay. Um, but <laughs> he sent her. They were DMing on Twitter, and he sent her his email and said, "Use it." He said, "Send me a pic." And she sent her. A, he she sent him a picture of a panda. Uh, he says, "Fucking panda, dick." He said they're very exotic. I mean, she there was like a little banter going back and forth. And then um, he says, "I'm in Tempe. Let's hang," which is where she is at. Um, she says, "Do you want to meet up tonight?" He said, "Yes. Can we make out?" I mean, he's getting into some stuff here. It's been and then we got we got more. We got more of these from a different. This is Abby Grills. Um, and she, this is this is the one that I feel like is the most egregious. So let's just read through these. She put this out there, and they've been somebody accused him of ex, of exposing himself to somebody who was working on his air conditioner in his hotel room. Like, of course, the floodgates opened. She says, "Hi, yeah, I'm in Golden, Colorado. I, I did a show. Where are you?" I guess she commented on something on his Facebook post. She said, "I would have liked to have gone. I'm in Greenwood Village, just south of Denver. Blah 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 blah. blah. What are you doing? Like, what do you?" She she has. What do you mean? Like now? She says, he said, he said, yep. Just chilling at home. Are you enjoying Colorado? It's all right. I'm bored. 
how are you anyway? She says, yeah, well, Golden is, is hardly the best part of Colorado. Agreed. Denver, Denver and the mountain towns are where it's at. I'm 17. How long are you going to be here for? He says, oh, too young. I'm leaving tomorrow. And she asks how old he is. He says, 30. She says, yeah, it's a little too old for me. Haha. Well, you should definitely let me know next time you have a show here. He said, okay, for sure. And then he reached out again and says, hi. She says, hey. He says, sup. She says, the usual, you know, you. He says, same. So why the random contact, if I may ask? I don't know. I think you're cute, I guess. Fair enough. So tell me something good. You first. We should text, by the way. Fuck Facebook. Yeah, fuck Facebook. He said, you never hit me back. Grr. Yeah, I mean, you're 30 and all. That's what she said. You should have said that. I'm sorry. You have a show coming up in Denver? She said, I lost your I don't. I lost your number. Give me your number again. He says, you're insistent. Or she says, you're insistent. Why? She says, I'm sorry. I, do you have a show coming up in Denver? Wait, I already read that. Sorry. She said, fuck, where am I at? <laughs> she says, you're insistent. Why? Because I like you, duh. And plus, you know you kind of like it. So what is it? She says, sorry. I mean, you're 30 and all. He says, no. You gave, me, you gave it to me once already. She said, yeah, but then you told me you were 30. So I don't know what the fuck. This is just fucking so much here. There's so much to get into. And it seems like some pretty pervy shit. And this is just coming out today. I don't, I think to call it grooming is, is excessive, but I find it very ironic that he did all of this and then was also uh, cast as a kind of a sex predator on the second season of You. So what do I think? I think it's this dude, Chris, you're a celebrity, bro. Like if you, if you like young girls, you can find girls that are over 18 that look like they're under 18. If you want to go that route there, there's no shortage of that in, in, in Hollywood. Um, it's weird, man. It is a weird deal. This is not okay. Not okay. And not that dude having relatively inappropriate consensual conversations with your fans Totally fun. Do that. But if someone says they're 17 and you're still hitting them up, or 16 and you're still hitting them up, you got to read the room. And in one case, he this with this Simone uh, girl, she, and I call her a girl on purpose because she is a girl. She's a woman now, but at the time she was a girl. He, he found her Instagram, followed her, um, and her whole Instagram was like her high school pictures at high school football games and high school shit. And student government and stuff. It's like, dude, you can't do that. You can't do that, bro. If you like young girls, find yourself a 19-year-old, 20-year-old in L.A. What the fuck are you doing? Like, do you think this shit's not going to get out? Do you think that you DMing, and people can screenshot this shit, DMing underage girls is not going to get out? I'm sure there's lots of girls in your DMs, bro. But do you think that this is not going to go somewhere? The fucking Me Too movement happened like five minutes ago. And this is the first one of 2020. But this is this is fucked up. And and not, I'm not a huge Chris D'Elia fan. Uh, I think he's funny on podcasts. I don't really watch his specials. It's not he's not really my type of comedian. 
But you can see what happened with Aziz Ansari, right? As comedian, his career hit the hit hit the shit for a couple of years, and he had a really great Netflix show. Um, he was, I mean, he was doing really really well for himself. And what what the the accus- accusations against him were kind of bullshit. They weren't really egregious. Somebody regretted something they did after they had done it, but it was consensual at the time. And it seemed like she was mad because Aziz didn't get her off. And his career hit the the shit hit the fan. You know what I'm saying? So like now we have this, and it's like, man, there's not really a whole lot, a whole lot of coming back. I don't know what the fuck you do, man. Especially with that one girl who told you she was 17. And there are a bunch of these girls coming out. Now, some of them are over 18. And if you're over 18 and this is and you were doing this and he was creepy, then just don't talk to him. That's not illegal. But fuck, man, what what did you think was going to happen? What did you think was going to happen? This is 2014 to 2017. Dude. Dude. Come on. And maybe nothing ever got, nothing physical ever happened, and I really hope it didn't. I really hope it didn't, and, and I hope this does. I hope this does. Honestly, I hope it doesn't tank his career, man, because this is this is stupid. It's fucking stupid. But if something comes out and this guy hooked up with a fucking 16-year-old girl, there is no tolerance for this unless you're, you know, a politician that has a lot of power and you're friends with Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein. Um, but it's fucking, this, this is, this is brutal. This is brutal for someone like Dalia. So damn, just had to share that it will be keep, we'll continue talking about this more and more and we'll get more information as more stuff comes out. But this just happened this morning. I wanted to share a little bit and do some really, really bad out loud reading, which is not my, not my forte, but, um, yeah, that's rough. That's really rough for Chris. Well, moving on by popular request, we're going to hear from our good old friend, Alex Jones. And when I, every now and then I just want to play a little Alex Jones to see what's going on. Uh, he's, he, he had a conversation with this, uh, this whistle, or he had played a video of this whistleblower nurse talking about how COVID is fake and it's a hoax and all this other stuff. And Alex Jones did what Alex Jones does. And I just got to play it for you because it's too fucking good. Let's go. People are not disposable, but it's always the left telling us babies are disposable, little kids are disposable. The the godfather of PETA, Dr. Peter Singer, says kill kids whenever you want. If a kid doesn't have high test scores, the government should be able to kill you. That's what they really say and do in their academic books while they prance around telling us how we're bad and we're racist. When I can tell you the average liberal academic is the most flaming racist, anti-human garbage you could ever be around. It's a religion to the left to kill brown people. I don't say that to kiss your ass because you're brown. I'm telling you, I've been to the abortion places. You've seen the videos where you have some weird black or brown doctor come out and go, yeah, who wants these ugly black babies? We're going to get rid of I mean, these are, this is a damn cult, man. The fuck is going what is this world? Oh my God. Meanwhile, they turn the quote minorities who the majority into a bunch of brainwashed racists. Screw you too. 
I'm here trying to save your ass because I morally am not going to sign on to killing everybody. It's not because I'm some white knight virtue signaling person up here that's, that's trying to stop all this because I'm such a white savior, as the left says. BS, man. I want to get saved by God. Oh. And if I sign on to killing everybody and playing God, I'm not getting beamed out of this thing. Beam me up. So I'm selfishly not signing on to evil. I'll admit it. I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for me. I'm not signed on to killing all those old people or those black babies. Fuck you, motherfucking New World Order. I will get your ass. It pisses me off. You sign on to playing God, you get burned. And all you dumbasses that serve the New World Order are idiots. Playing God all day. Deciding who lives and who dies. And then I find out they're all screwing little kids and devil worshiping. Of course they are. Oh, you're the big elites. Oprah Winfrey and Ted Turner and Bill Clinton and Epstein, all in that seven-story pervert building in New York. What a bunch of freaks. And the fact that those pedophiles, and I'm calling Oprah Winfrey one. Oprah. Oh, she burns in hell. Every oh. damn one of you is a piece of crap. And you're going to be judged. So you just continue to enjoy hurting babies and hurting old people and hurting homeless people and turn us all into a bunch of idiots. Because you will be destroyed. Finish up the clips. Go ahead. <laughs> and that's Alex Jones. Nothing to say about that. Now I'm going to give you something to think about. On the longest episode of Connor Wanders ever, I want to talk to you about nationalism versus patriotism. And play you a clip from uh, The Newsroom, an epic show. If you've not seen The Newsroom, it's a couple years old. Go back. Check it out. has Olivia Munn in it, and she is a babe, as everyone knows. Um, so, nationalism versus patriotism. Now, I'm going to summarize the definitions because I don't really want to look them up, and I'm fucking tired of reading out loud. But, <sighs> nationalism is the belief that you live in a superior nation. And patriotism is a love for your nation. It may seem very similar, but they are very different. So, I would say the difference can be summed up in, in mantras in a way. One, you think America is the greatest country in the world. Mm, is it? To who? To the people who live here? To the people around the world? Is everyone jealous of the United States? I don't think so. So who's to say? If we take, if we, if we just, do we take a vote? Because there's a billion people in China. I don't think they would say that. Now, I don't think China's better than the United States, but I'm just saying, globally, if we think about all the people in the world, the six point whatever billion of us, what metrics do we have to say that the United States is the best country in the world. Now you may think it's the best for you and you like living here the best. That's why you choose to live here. That's great. 
I love the United States of America. I love living here. I love the freedoms that we have. I'm very critical of the United States because I like the United States. Now, I had a high school football coach had told me he would only ride our ass, not sexually, but like verbally, coaching-wise. He would only ride our ass because he gave a fuck. And that's how I feel many of us who are very patriotic treat the United States. We criticize the United States because we fucking care. And to me, that is my form of patriotism. I can look at what we're doing well. I can look at what we're doing poorly. And I can address those issues and be vocal about them using the rights given to me in the Constitution. That is a blessing. That's, that's, that's something that's really great that we have. Now, those are under attack by a variety of different angles. I would say primarily the authoritarian left. But the United States, you know, maybe there is something to be said for Make America Great Again because the United States may have been the greatest country in the world once upon a time, objectively speaking. Before we turned into a war machine, before we, we had the most really intense wealth disparities on, on the globe. And that's something that's really interesting to me is to be put into this, into this anti-American kind of accusation pointed at someone who criticizes the United States that's also an American. If I wanted to leave, I could leave. If I didn't want to be here, I would just go somewhere else. And I have considered that in, at times, but chose to stay. But I stay because there's potential in this country, and I think we can move this in the right direction. We're going to have to have conversations, uncomfortable conversations. We're going to have to have discourse. We're going to have to free up language, social media, and in person. We've got to get away from fucking engineered safe spaces and people being assaulted by language that is inherently very flexible and, and changes over time. We got to back the fuck off of our of our partisanship and, and out of our defensiveness and do something with our voices that is cohesive and moves this country in a better direction. And the discourse between the left and the right once upon a time was productive, in my belief. And now partisanship has grown. Media has contributed to that. And media thrives on it. Because there was a time when we were better unified. But capitalism, in a lot of ways, ripped us apart because we're more profitable, divided. So think about that. When you think about this country, are you patriotic? Are you nationalistic? What if we change the narrative around how we view our country as one of the great countries of the world? By far the most powerful, I would say. What if we, instead of saying we're the, we're the greatest country in the world, say we're one of the great countries of the world, and there are lots of great countries in the world because there's a, lots of, a lot of amazing people on this planet. What if we took that approach? How would that, if we taught our kids that, we're one of the great countries of the world, and we're not perfect, and we have had a lot of messiness and a lot of atrocities and a lot of tragedy in our history, And we can make that right the best we can moving forward with a love for this country and a dedication to progress 
I don't mean progress in growing the GDP. I mean progress as far as creating a better environment for more people as often as we can. So if we change the narrative to we are one of the great countries of the world, we begin to look, if we get taught that at an early age, we begin to look at other countries with open minds about what are they doing that works? What are they doing that doesn't work? What could we do to be more like them? What could we adopt that they're working with that makes them another one of the great countries of the world? As opposed to living through the assumption that what we have across the board is the best. And now I wanna play you this clip because this clip was a paradigm shift for me. And this isn't necessarily a nonfiction show, but the stats, I believe, are accurate. And the sentiment, is, um, it resonates with me, for sure. So let's get into it. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Jenny. I'm a sophomore, and this is for all three of you. Can you say in one sentence or less what... <laughs> um, you know what I mean. Can you say why America is the greatest country in the world? Diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, the New York Jets. <laughs> no, I'm going to hold you to an answer on that. What makes America the greatest country in the world? Well, Lewis and Sharon said it. Diversity and opportunity and freedom and freedom. not letting you go back to the airport without answering the question. Well, our Constitution is a masterpiece. James Madison was a genius. The Declaration of Independence is, for me, the single greatest piece of American writing. You don't look satisfied. One's a set of laws and the other's a declaration of war. I want a human moment from you. What about the people? Why is it not the greatest, greatest country in the world, Professor? That's my answer. Yowza. You're saying yes. Let's talk about fine. The Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of our paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. It doesn't cost money, it costs votes, it costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. That's true. If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey. And with a straight face, you're gonna tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom, Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force and number four in exports. We lead the world 
in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough? And I will leave you with that. I appreciate y'all hanging out this whole time. You're all the way to the end. Thank you so much. Make sure to share this episode if you dig it. And damn, take care of yourself out there. Be a motherfucking patriot. Do yourself a favor. Criticize what you love because you love it. Oh, stay safe. And uh, as always, keep your head on straight.